Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your guests, Mike Williams and Kaylin Smith. And we're your hosts, Parker Dillon and Stephen Craig. This is episode number 91. So Kaylin is a Houston native, Rice Owl, UX designer, artist, diehard Astros fan, and a developer at Macrofab since last July. And that's not 2017, but 2016 July. Been here a little over a year. A little over a year. So Mike has been fascinated with computers since 7th grade when he first got to use a TRS-80 Model 1. He's seen the software development industry advance from MS-DOS to smartphones and cloud computing. Along the way, he's written and designed software for flying cameras, high-speed trains, and lots of business apps. He joined Macrofab about two years ago and moved to Houston last year with his wife Loretta and his dog Cosmo. That's a lot longer of a bio. <laughs> Is it just because you're older, Williams? Yeah. The, long, the older you are, the, the, the more bio you have. He's got a few years' experience on me. Just Couple. a few. So we're bringing the guests uh, back in the uh, the Macrofab fence today. Yes. Talking talking to some people, some, some Macrofabians that... Uh, Macrofab... We, we, that- we've been wanting to bring the, uh, some of the devs on. We have more devs than just these two. We've been wanting to bring devs on for quite a while. We've been talking about it for at least... At since the beginning since the of, the of the podcast. Yeah, since we started the podcast. Yeah, because when we first started, we were like, who are we going to get for guests? Let's get guys from inside because we know there. how to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool that after almost two years of doing the podcast, uh, 91 episodes, we finally got some devs to <laughs> agree to come on and talk to some nerds over here. <laughs> and we yeah. finally finished our big project. Yeah. That's it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good excuse. It's an excuse. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's always the battle of the nerds here. We got the nerds on the engineering hardware side and the nerds over in the software yeah. side. And it's it's a little oil and watery, right? Nerd on nerd action. <laughs> <laughs> so where did y'all get started in software development? Oh. The hard-hitting questions right off the bat. You go, Williams. Well, it you know, um, like I said in my bio, I've always been uh, a computer nerd since i was a you know a little baby nerd. you came out the womb with the trs-80 pretty much and uh <laughs> you know i started out and um i did a lot of salesforce automation work back when you had to do things with uh, uh portable computing and you know portable computing meant you know a thing about the size of a brick that had about as much power as a uh you know a digital watch and you had to figure out how to put all your software into that um and um, did that for a few years, and then I went to a consulting company where I got to work on all sorts of interesting projects like the, the trains and flying cameras and stuff like that. And uh, after they left, uh, or after that company folded, I started my own consulting business where I did some work with the, uh, um, the trains again and, and more flying cameras. <laughs> uh, and then that's how uh, I... Um, came along and met uh, the Macrofab crew and uh, started as a contract for a little bit and then liked it so much, liked the idea so much that I decided to become a full-time Fabster. And to move all the way to Houston to do it. And to move all the way to Houston to do it. Where were you at before? Uh, We were in Wilmington, Delaware, which is basically a suburb of Philadelphia. And um, I miss a lot of people from that area, but I can't say I miss the area itself. Because, How it snow? Yeah, it, it would it would snow and rain, and the winters were bore it were drab. And here I can wear shorts year round and, and ride my <laughs> bicycle does. year yeah, round. Barbecue January first, right? Exactly. So yeah. it's it's we've we've we were thinking about moving south anyway. So when this opportunity came along, it was it worked uh, out. For it you. was a no brainer. Very cool. So Kaylin, 
So me, I was working on UX teams and software development teams um, for the last couple of years. And I was actually working as a designer, doing interaction design. I was doing some UX architecture. Um, and I kind of, I got, I kept getting over the years a little closer and closer to uh, the development side and working alongside developers. And I was um, finally just kind of curious enough to say, why don't I just learn to do this myself instead of handing off assets all the time to developers or trying to describe what was coming out of my head. So I eventually um, just made the switch and went back to school. Um, and actually, that's how I met Craig and stalked him about Macrofab <laughs> when I heard about it and said, uh, please let me ask you a bunch of questions. And it happened to be that when I was finishing school, they were posting for um, a developer job here in Houston. And it was the only job I applied for. I really wanted to come and work here. Still have really no idea how it wound up that they hired me, but here I am. <laughs> Awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 I was hoping that you would say something like, "What? What were you? What was the uh, irony?" Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah you so, guys so. are like, "Actually, we don't know." No, <laughs> yeah, like we're looking back. Yeah, how did that happen? <laughs> well, no, no. Okay, we'll, we'll give a. Uh, so I gave a somewhat of a talk. I don't know if that's how you want to. Uh, it was a talk. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a, a talk, talk at uh, at the school that Kaylin was going to, uh, and and I guess I kind of hyped up Macrofab a bit, and so uh, she. She asked me to go get coffees and donuts one day, and I was like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> it would be rude you had me at to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and she was like, can I apply? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's, let's mm -hmm. give it a shot. So, uh, and fate became reality. Mm -hmm. Over a year later. And oh yeah, over, we haven't yeah, secured her away yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you can last a year, <laughs> you're, you're on board. <laughs> I cool. So, um, so the thing about Macrofab though is it's it's not all software. We have a, you know we have a manufacturing line and stuff. Did that influence y'all to want to join here? Absolutely. I had you know the way I found out about Macrofab was you know I had an, another customer that at, at the consulting business that work had kind of slowed down a bit, so I was able to spend more time with some of my hobbies and things that I'm interested in outside of work. And one of those was electronics. So I started catching up on like the Amp Hour podcasts and things like that. And I was actually listening to that when I found out about it. So um, oh, they talked about us. Yeah, you guys were the guests on the Amp Hour. Oh, they, is it that the is that the Chris Church and Parker one? Yeah, all yeah, on. Okay, way that was like when, that was yeah, a while yeah. ago. Ooh, that was like year one ish of yeah, Macrofab. I was. I, I listened to that before I came to Macrofab. Yeah, it was. It was probably three or four months old when I finally heard it. And that day, I said, I wrote an, a letter off to you guys saying, "Hey, I'm interested in working together, and here's my resume. And if you're interested." let me know if not i'll you've probably got a new customer here Ta -da. And, you know the next day church uh you know sent me an email saying hey let's talk that's so. interesting is um craig came in looking to get boards made and left with a job too 
There <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go. What, what's I, didn't, I didn't give you cash. I gave you a resume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what's funny is that, you know, at the time I was like, yeah, I could really use somebody like this. And since I've been working at Macrofab, I haven't had the time to work on any of my boards. So I have yet to actually have a board made through Macrofab. Catch 22. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to note because I just, I just realized, I, I, I don't think it's in your bio, that uh, you do a lot of work with oscilloscopes and yes. uh, mm -hmm. calibrating oscilloscopes, yeah, repairing. Electronics is one of my hobbies, and one of the things I've been doing to help learn, you know, troubleshooting skills and, and design is, you know, uh, fixing things. And the thing that I I've just find oscilloscopes fascinating, especially some of the older ones with the, the CRT and the green green tubes and all that. Oh yeah. Uh, so. Um, I buy old, old beat up ones on, on eBay and fix them up and sell them. And again, that's another thing that I have not had much time to spend on at all since I've been down here. Well, and I can, I can attest to it because I have been to William's house and I have seen his oscilloscopatorium <laughs> in his upstairs. <laughs> the lab. The lab. Yeah. No, it is an entire room devoted yes. to. Is it organized by year and model? That would be incredible. There, there's, a, there's a full server in there, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a rack server there's a, the, yeah. the, from, from the old business. And a bunch of old oscilloscopes and, you know, benches and meters and power supplies. And it's sort of like a little geek, geek out room that I can go to and not get in the way with. Uh, I had to have my own room because otherwise I would spread my mess around the rest of the house. And, you know, that would be grounds for divorce. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that room has saved our marriage. <laughs> it, yeah, things things tend to leach out with yeah. with the electronics. I, I I'm I'm having trouble reining it in myself at the moment. I have a whole four by eight sheet of plywood sitting on my coffee table in my <laughs> living room because I'm working on an electronic piece for for um, an art project I'm doing right now, and it's it's kind of like we have to watch TV around my projects. <laughs> it, it, it takes a special kind of patience to be married to you know a nerd. Oh yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah, deal with that for sure. And and Kaylin, so uh, maybe maybe oscilloscopes don't really no. interest you so much. <laughs> but your art, you wanna you wanna talk about that a little bit? Um, so I do. I think that actually, you know, you guys were gonna you asked you know about the getting into electronics and um, if you know working at Macrofab has made me do that. And sadly, no. But it, <laughs> <laughs> but it has. <laughs> It has pushed me to further explore my artwork. Um, no, but I, I actually not knowing a lot about electronics um, and hardware manufacturing, even just, I knew there was something special going on at Macrofab as a company and as a startup that was doing something unique, not only in Houston, but just, I could, I could get a sense of that. And that's why I was really eager to come here. And so I have been like learning a little bit. It's exciting to get to like pick apart, um, you know, use cases and, uh, stuff that especially like our internal team is doing. But, um, uh, I also, I think Craig kind of sold some of what was cool about Macrofab too, and that he, like me, also does a lot of um, art projects and just kind of like, you know, just just stuff for like the hell of it, just for fun. And like, um, he works with a group in town. I knew some of the artists he works with, but uh, yeah, I am one of those weird people that went from um, artist to software developer. <laughs> so I don't know that there's probably a ton of people that and that do that. I still, but I still make art. I like to leave here and exit the computer a little bit and do things by hand. And I, I draw and I paint and, um, 
I'll go home and code too, but sometimes it's you just need like that disconnect yeah. from the screen. After spending all yeah. day in a virtual world, it's really important to be able to do something with your hands after a bit. You yeah. need a little bit of therapy after exactly. work, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. Decompression is what I call it. Let your mind go. Yeah. yeah. Although there is something kind of for me, like I can I can leave this place and then go and make a board, mm-hmm. and and it's, it's a little bit like, different though. It's it, your board. It is, yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, you know, you got a beer on your desk and mm-hmm. everything's a bit more comfortable. I don't know. It's different. It's in. You're right. It's my board. So yeah, it's and a you get to level do it, of love. Yeah, and you get to do it at home. It's a little, yeah, it's a little bit different. Even though I'll, after work, I will just like go on my work computer and design stuff too, because you know during the day I don't design boards during the day. Which is what I would like to do, but I don't get to. <laughs> yeah. now, now you spend time in Jira. Yeah, fun. Job. <laughs> Managing the developers. <laughs> herding. Yeah, herding no, I, cats. That's just Dan. I got to herd Dan. That's the <laughs> only Dan one I Dan herds us. Yes. D- Dan's another developer here. Yes. He's the he's the director of development. Our he fearless is. leader. And we've been trying. It, we've actually been trying hardest with Dan to get him on the podcast for all this time. And yeah. he's kind of just like, mm, nah. No. <laughs> and that was the thing is um, Williams was the possibility of Williams not making today was was uh, at least yesterday was high, and then uh, I was like Dan, you're gonna have to take his place, and he's like uh, and like speed dialing Williams like get better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys have been working on some stuff here, some, we have. some big stuff. We've been doing a, a, a couple things uh, back there. Yeah, one liners of code, right? Yeah, all well, yeah, one liners. <laughs> Thousands of one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of classes here, That's a couple a, of yeah. structures. No, yeah. how hard could it be? It would be if you did a, thou- a thousand one-liners. It'd be like a Stallone movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gross. No, it's all zeros and ones. If you have enough zeros, you 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 don't need as many ones, or sure. vice versa. I yeah. always get the yeah. ratio mixed up. At the end of the day, it's just code. It'll right. it'll it just works, right? Right. That's that's how. It that goes. would be interesting. Because uh, here at Macro, we use these things called KPIs, right? Yes. So like, figure out like what's doing good and stuff. Key performance indicators. Yeah. Right. So what if you had a KPI for ones versus zeros? Ooh. Uh, is there is there a statistical uh, uh, like are zeros more than ones or are ones more than zeros? Is it or is it like if you if you were to take all of the binary data in the entire how world and cut it in half. Like how many have? ones and how many zeros? Would I don't there know. Be? I've never counted. I, I think my gut. <laughs> my, my gut <laughs> Get on that. That's yeah, your next that's, task. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think to get to get nerdy with it, I would guess zeros because zeros take less energy. But that's just me. That is just you. Yeah. <laughs> It depends if you have to count like all old hard drives that are never going to be used again and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I this is incredibly important. I think we need to know the <laughs> we answer. Need to find to this. out. This must be. Yeah. 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 So um, write in at podcast at <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, know yeah, you know the answer. You know the answer. We'll send you a sticker. Yeah, send this. You know, I bet you. I bet you there is some uh, some mathematician professor that that does work in binary or, or Boolean logic that has spent the time to actually identify that. I guarantee you, there's a guy who knows. Probably a paper. Oh, and, there, and I'm like sure that, there's yeah. you know folks that are you know experts in compression algorithms and things like that that actually think about that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually probably where we would find papers on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. 
So what have you been working on? Yeah, not uh, that. <laughs> we have been working on the uh, a whole new experience for our uh, PCB workflow. I like that. In experience. Our yeah, well, yeah experience. like there should be like harps in the background yeah. while you're saying that or some kind of like <laughs> lovely music. We're going to be at a all um, new PCB experience. You'll see yeah. it at Woodstock this year. Yeah. Oh yeah, have you experienced? <laughs> Are you experienced? the macrofab experience? It's like, is that when you go to the like the planetarium and they have the laser shows? You go to the PCB experience. Oh yeah, like the uh, like the, the old Pink Floyd the laser Pink Floyd light show. Yeah. that's every that's the uh, last Wednesday of every month here at the uh, macrofab engineering meetup. <laughs> that's the macrofab experience. I have I have totally snuck in a six pack of beer into the planetarium to watch the Pink Floyd show, like the old one. They updated it, and now it's all like. You know, it's cool. It's it's super awesome. It's all, like, you know, way more flashy now. But, like, the old one where it was, like, you know, a, a single-color cube that bounced across the floor yeah. or something like that, for, you know, because it was awesome in 92 or something. Right. I remember that. That was awesome. That was so great. Yeah. yeah my dad took us to that. Oh, it was it's incredible. Epic. Yeah. So great. So they don't have the solid bouncing cube going on the surface anymore? Nah, it's, it's way more, like, blasting you in the face with all kinds of stuff. Ah. Yeah. No, but uh, the um, the new stuff um, has lots of new features. Um, we do a little bit of macrofab plug here. Um, we um, support uh, Eagle Eight now. Yeah, that's what you main, you mainly worked on. That was a, that was one of my the banes of my existence. Was <laughs> so why was that the bane of your existence? Um, it's the same reason Eagle Eight is the bane of many. Uh, <laughs> many folks existence these days uh which is the new subscription model and the uh the changes that came about uh yeah. from uh the the purchase uh by autodesk so i understand why they did it it's just made lives for folks like myself a little more difficult than they were before yeah so, yeah it's a whole gooey thing yeah yeah, the GUI thing, and we do a lot of stuff that is automated and scripted, and when the GUI pops up and asks for a sign-in or alerts me to a, a new version that's now available, uh, it just kind of grinds things to a halt. So. Yeah. Uh, but we uh, we now... <laughs> He's just going to read down the list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we support uh, the quick turnaround stuff, which is a, a big deal for a lot of folks. Yeah, the 10-day. Right, we, we talked about that uh, last week with uh, Chris Gamble. Yep, yep. Um, it looks a lot better. Um, we have an actual preview of the board that actually shows you the solder mask and silkscreen that you have selected for yeah. your board. It's not purple and, and yellow anymore. Yeah, yeah. the Space right. Invaders uh, color. Real-time colors. Yeah, the color palette. It, it was funny. That's actually what it originally was called. It, well, not it Space Invaders, but it was called the Alien Color. Right. Yeah. I right. Th it probably actually probably called it that in the back end, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the... the when we first launched Macrofab, um, we wanted like different colors for people can select different colors, um, how they uploaded because like the normal, you know, red, blue for top and bottom. And then the problem with red and blue is, you know, colorblind people can't see that or a specific some subset. People, yeah. yeah, some people. So we picked the yellow purple because it's like the least amount that you can hit. And, and back then we couldn't figure out how to make the colors change. But now they do. You, there's a little silk screen thing that you can select and it changes the entire color of the board. Yep. Magic. Magic. Only took, you know, four years to figure that out. Right? 
That's a little harsh. <laughs> oh. We've been busy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, we changed a lot yeah. under the hood. You, no, no, no. Like, I think, I think <laughs> change, changing a lot would be an understatement. You yeah. guys changed yeah. everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. The yeah. bomb tool is all new. Yeah. You know, okay, so let me let me say something about the bomb tool. I love it now. Uh, the old one wasn't wasn't bad in any sense, uh, but the bomb tool. What's what's interesting is I I kind of kept myself. Uh, the word we were using was pure. I didn't look at your you guys's work until like the last minute because I wanted to see like what was the end result. And <laughs> I, I like looked at the you bomb chose tool. Pure. As yeah, the word. <laughs> yeah, like, it wasn't my mind wasn't tainted <laughs> by the dev work. But the, but no, like I, I I I looked at the uh, bomb tool and what made me really excited about it was the fact that. <laughs> you could, the way you guys write bombs is exactly the way that I write bombs. So it was just like, oh my gosh, it looks like it looks like I made this. And I know that's sort of like really opinionated in a way, but it was just like, oh, this is great. And the way everything is categorized is just yeah. that. We we tried better. to take a lot of the feedback that we got from you guys and and our customers to make it work the way that you know folks need to work when they're building a, a bill of materials. Yeah, basically, like um, what the last three years of feedback went into. All of the interface, not just yeah. the bomb, yeah. but a lot of it, yeah. And and some of it was fixes some issues that we uh, would encounter uh, every now and again with uh, customer projects. That oh well, if we're going to redo things, let's make sure we address this, this, and this as well. Yeah. Um, so things like um, with Eagle Eight, you now only need to upload a board file, and we actually can extract the bill of materials directly out of that board file whereas right. before it was it's a little a bit of a schematic manual. in the board yeah, yeah yeah it was a bit of a manual process and the interface like if you just dump in gerbers it will automatically figure out that you have four layers and stuff like right that. right so we, we tried to clean it up a little bit and make it a little smoother for for customers um and one thing i'm particularly excited about was the is the quoting and uh, pricing screen where we show you actually graphically what your prices per board will do in both the, the uh, production as well as prototype tiers, and and you can see where things where it makes sense to switch from one to the other. Yeah, I think that was pretty, pretty right. Neat. If 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 that's something you've ever done by hand, it takes a lot of time, and 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 there's there's always questions behind it, and mm -hmm. so I guess there's like a nice pretty graph where you see the two lines intersect, and it says yeah. It's it's time to go to production. Can right. I say something really funny about how that graph came about, though? Go for it. Uh, so we were, when we were kind of wireframing what all we wanted to have in this new experience, um, I just slapped in, like, we had, a, we had a table showing. We knew we were going to support production pricing and prototype pricing. And then I had this um, wireframe to show church. And because, like, the screen just looked really... Like it was like, okay, well that's it. And like, what else could I do here? I just put like a approximation of a graph. And I was like, that, you know, it would be neat if you saw some like price breaks or something. And then he latched onto that and that, and he was like, that's gonna happen. And then it's gonna be interactive and you can like slide things around and like quantities change and prices change. And then once we realized like we couldn't get out of that, it was like the hot potato of the dev team to be like, who is gonna have to build that thing? Nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted to do it. But it was really kind of like by accident that that appeared. And um, well, but also Church like is a big, really big fanatic about like visuals and being able to see metrics for things. So, it, I mean, it is awesome, but it was shout out to Phillips for <laughs> doing, doing the bulk of that graph experience. It was not fun. 
So Church is our CEO, and then Phillips is another developer here. Yes. Right. Which we might never so he, ever... So he took the potato. Yes, he, he took, took the potato. Yeah. A lot of the potato. So is that like the last suggestion someone ever made on the dev team? Yeah, I was about to say, there's value <laughs> in staying quiet sometimes. Like, sometimes. Keep your ideas to yourself. No, but yeah. the graph is, if you mention <laughs> it, you might have to write it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. The yeah. graph is yeah. pretty sweet, though. I like it. Oh, that. yeah. No, it's it's great. It's great. Yeah. So, well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's the. I think that's the. And oh yeah, and then there's the big whole new front end website, which, you know, Iris right. did. Yeah. And Single mega handedly. thumbs up over here. <laughs> yep. Anything else we missed in the that's new? That's most of the stuff that folks will see. Um, there's always cha- things changing on on the you know behind the curtain that we're working on. Yeah. Uh, some of our secret sauce and uh, magic that we make happen. Um, both you know in terms of software that we're writing and processes that we put in place to kind of improve our the, the speed with which we can get things done as well as the, our overall quality. But yeah, those are the things that folks are going to see. Cool. So I asked people in our Slack channel, what would you want to ask developers at Macrofab? Uh-oh. So this is going to be the RFO. Well, yeah, you didn't yeah. tell me I there was going to be a quiz. Yeah that, yeah, that was the end of our Macrofab advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll try not to do that again for a long time. Let's get back to questions about you guys. Okay. And some yeah. fun stuff. So, RFO, the rapid fire opinions. Yeah. I so, peeked at these already. These <laughs> you you pre-gamed are... it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For inspiring devs, what are some tips to getting a solid background for getting that first developer job? I could I could spend an entire podcast answering that question. Well, it's um, rapid, so yeah. So I would <laughs> keep say, it, keep, it, keep it a three minutes. <laughs> the Cliff's Notes version yeah, is notes. Um, the technology is always going to be changing. So there's always going to be a new flavor of the month for languages and databases and tools and infrastructure things like that. What you need to know are you need to have some great problem solving skills and you need to be able to research and find information. You, you master those two skills and you'll do well. Uh, the other thing that I would say is don't be a specialist, at least from, from my perspective. You know, there are folks out there that all they do is you know, Oracle databases and they're incredible at it. But as soon as you try to get them out of that world and, and interface with other folks in the business, it's you know you'll run into language barriers and and just different ways of thinking if you're a generalist and you expose yourself to lots of different technologies you're going to be able to talk to anybody in the business and and learn new things really quickly and this this is Kaylin's first developer job yeah yeah so yeah um, I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say problem solving. <laughs> I was going to say exactly <laughs> what you <laughs> said. That's how I got here, actually. Um, no, I was going to say being a good problem solver. And then I, I have sat, though, on several interviews now for the developers we've brought in um, onto the team. Um, and I think that a big thing is just being a, like, you. no one works in a bubble. So if you're, like, a decent people person or human being or you can actually communicate <laughs> you Which, can communicate i mean it that sounds really like a it's basic harder to thing, find than you think in this you, business. yeah it's actually quite difficult and i mean you ultimately write software for people to use so uh, you have to be able to be a team player and um you know Absolutely. like working with others and communicating so um attitude will get you so far yeah really well yeah so to expand on that, what 
kind of language should someone aim at? English. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess given that last answer, English, yeah. Well, I guess well, it depends on the country you're in, though. Like I said, the, the, the languages are always going to change. Yeah. Um, I think a, a good language for someone who's trying to learn and, and get into the business, I think something like Python is extremely approachable and will help you learn some good habits. Or JavaScript. Um, JavaScript. Well, JavaScript. I mean, but it's widely. It's very popular. Yeah. But there are, it's sort of the lowest common denominator in a lot of ways. So you end up. um, It's quirky. It doesn't teach you as good a habits as some of the, the languages like Python or Java is a pain in the neck for a lot of reasons, but it, it, it does teach you some good things. Um, and, you know, it's very popular. So there's a, there's a published list out there. I, I've, uh, I haven't looked at it lately that shows you by, you know, ranking what languages are the most popular. It's and on Stack Overflow. They do yeah. a big annual survey every year about, you know, popular editors, popular languages. And so, yeah. I don't recommend Perl. <laughs> I was just about to say, what, what about a bad one? Yeah, uh, I, I would not recommend Pearl, uh, despite the fact that we do a lot of Pearl here. Um, not by choice. But that is, um, you know, there's less and less Pearl being written here uh, on a daily basis. But, um, yeah, Pearl's probably not the, the a great career choice. Um, yeah, you know, and, and there's a bunch of stuff like assembly that, you, or you know, you're not going to use anymore. Cobol. Hey, I was about to say. I'm talking guys. about. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm talking not the embedded space. That's a. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. very different world. Um, right, web server and assembly. Yeah. Oh, not, good not lord. Not going to happen. Um, X86 assembly. You know, there are other languages like <laughs> Cobol that there will always be a place for it, and you'll actually be able to make a pretty good living at it. It's not what I would suggest is going to be the most exciting career that you'll ever have, but you'll be able to do well with it. Um, but um, yeah, and everybody's wired a little differently too. So you're going to find a language that really just kind of floats your boat and, 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 and you you like, know, works for you. Yeah. Not well, a toy language. What's right. your, uh, what's your boat languages? I'm a big Python fan. Uh, I'm a huge C sharp fan. We don't do any C sharp here, but it's, um, I really like what they've done with the language. It's sort of like what C++ could have been and should have been if it didn't have to deal with all the baggage that you get when you try to be compatible with C at the same time. So it's it's a much more modern language. Um, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of neat languages out there. You know, some of the guys that um, that are on the team, they're big Erlang folks. Um, they, they find that very exciting. I'm not as familiar with Erlang as I, as I could be. Uh, so I've I never really, heard of that. It's a, it's what's called, it's, it's a language for uh, functional programming, which is a completely different way of thinking. Sounded uh, like a name from like a MMORPG or something. Yeah, like it's, it's a, it's an odd, and then there are spinoffs off of that. And we had one guy that uh, we had, uh, we were having an interview for a new developer here and he wanted us to write all of this in this weird little spinoff language that there was like 10 guys that use it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, there's there's so much stuff out there. Um, it's it's hard to keep keep up with all of it too. And that's the other thing. You, you're going to have to have skills that that help you to uh, learn new tools quickly. So you know, get used to reading lots of thick manuals. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, or I would I would say because um, when I came here, I didn't really have any uh, expectations about what languages I would 
write in or what I would learn and it's kind of like it doesn't really matter as long as you're you're using that problem solving side of your brain and figuring things out and like the the different languages almost don't really matter so much as can you solve this problem um but I had a friend who's a senior developer and he had said and I think this is great advice for new developers is go and learn um, a language, but then like go do practice problems on like a leet code or like a project Euler and solve it once in JavaScript. And when you've mastered that, go back and solve it in Python and, Mm. you know, kind of test yourself to push yourself to, you know, problem solve in the different languages, but it's really about solving the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Because the languages come and go. So speaking of solving problems, what's the longest you've ever looked for a syntax error? I have <laughs> like I a have semicolon. A, <laughs> I had a single character mistake that I had found in somebody else's code that took me somebody three, else's somebody code. else's. I don't write bugs. <laughs> let's, just, let's just make that clear right now. Mike, I don't write bugs. I don't write bugs. <laughs> Williams. <laughs> um, but um, we had one. This was this was way back early on in my career. Um, it took me three days to find this particular bug, and it, the fix was the addition of a single ampersand. Yikes! And it took me three days to find it. Ampersand. That's what, is it a pointer? Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was a function <laughs> that someone was passing was supposed to be passing it's in C. the address of a structure. They were passing the whole structure in on the stack, and it caused because this was back in the MS DOS days where there was no protected memory. It was yeah. overwriting code, and then. So everything worked fine until you did one thing, and then other stuff just broke because the code got all overwritten, and it was and you were the, needle the hero. In a haystack. And ampersand made you the hero. Ampersand made me the hero. <laughs> that that that's that's that could be the name of your book that you write later sure. in life. <laughs> we just make title that the episode. Let me title this podcast. Ampersand made me a hero. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a great title. <laughs> oh man, for me, gosh. You know, I don't know. I feel like when I was starting to write a lot of code, I was very heavily reliant on thinking that I was going to look and find like a missing thing here or there. But as you, I think as you kind of like are, I mean, there's still like syntax errors and little things like stupid things that we, we do, but, um, I don't know. I was really happy the other day cause I debugged some Perl church code and it was a one line change we're we're gonna edit that out (laughs) (laughs) that means that's been i was like mic drop because i was like i don't i don't prefer working in pearl none of us do and i and i didn't even know what it was a year and a half ago i'd never heard of it so um like i i was able to track a bug down and and solve it and it was a one line variable name change but um, that must have been in there for like over two years then. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's still some Christopher Church code floating sure. around. That's the interesting <laughs> thing is because we all work on each other's code. Like there's, you know, mm-hmm. nobody owns one specific thing. So we do frequently like, run over each run into things that other people have done that we're like, huh, okay. And you can also tell like who wrote what I think. Oh, yeah. You can we, see, ha- yeah. we all have styles for sure. And you learn a lot looking at other folks' yeah. code as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, I like how they did that. That's yeah. neat. Yeah, it's like I only have still have one piece of code that runs in the server. It's on Williams Eagle stuff. Oh, yeah, the ULP. The you ULP that you can... Oh, you haven't ULP. nuked that yet? I nuked some of it, but it's still there. <laughs> it's still there. Yeah. I've only had to rewrite it once. It. <laughs>
So. Oh yeah, so we'll keep going, right? Okay. <laughs> down the list, down the list. Um, let's see, because I kind of skipped around in the RFO to kind of because that was a good segue into that question. Um, well, l- l- let me ask one real quick. Okay, okay. It's, so I'm I'm seeing this here, and I like this one. We're gonna move right to this. Um, what do hardware uh, or electronic people do that drive you nuts? Uh, and before you answer. The answer is nothing. Okay, <laughs> just just to make sure. No, no, no. See, uh, th- th- that's that's a fun one. I actually, I, so I hadn't seen I've these got before. One, I'm going to answer for Williams. Oh, on this one. Okay, okay. It's going to be really high resolution bitmaps, vectorized, not vectorized, uh, rasterized in Gerber's. That has been a bane of my existence. <laughs> <laughs> so we, yeah, we've had we've yeah. had folks do. Uh, I mean, I I, I find the uh, some of the logos that fo- folks put on some of their boards fascinating. So I've seen some really neat artwork come through. Uh, we had we've had more than one customer do this, where they think their artwork is so awesome that they're going to do it, render it on the board in a thousand dots per inch, and it promptly. <laughs> you know grinds everything to a halt because it takes you know well rendering and, and, that in a ve- in a vector format like gerber takes gobs and gobs yeah because instead of because in a raster like in a bitmap it's fine because the format supports it but right. in gerber's is a vector style format so basically it has to draw a line all the time it's draw a dot here draw another dot here Draw another dot there, and it, it adds up to a lot of data. Well, and 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 the best part about that is, yes, your 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 EDA tool will allow you to do that, but in reality, the screen that is actually used to deposit exactly. the paint on there you're, is like a, a hundred and fifty dots per right. inch. You so know? you're, you're yeah, wasting say, resolution. Is it even like standard printing is three hundred? Is it even three hundred? Uh, three hundred is is like good quality like yeah. that's like, like laser quality. real laser high quality, quality. like it, you know uh, it depends on what pc house pc board house you go to because i mean some of them they will give you yeah. absolute garbage yeah the the, the silk screen technology in, in pcbs is fairly low res uh, even the good stuff is well and let's be honest it was never really intended to be artwork right. it's not yeah Right. We've, we've kind of hacked artwork into it. Exactly. Um, and and on a related note, one of the things that drives me bonkers <laughs> is the, um, and it, I, I, it sounds like I'm picking on Eagle all day. It, I, don't get me wrong. Eagle's a great tool. No, you can, you can do that. But, it's okay. Um, <laughs> one, of the thing, one of the things that Eagle does is the way it generates a Gerber. Let's dive down this little rabbit hole real quick. The way it generates a Gerber, uh, when you have a, f- a region that you need to flood fill, like a poly- you define a polygon in the tool, um, the Gerber format supports an actual polygon region, and it takes like 20 bytes, depending on what you're doing. It's really small and compact, and, and it lets the renderer of that image do the hard work for you. But when Eagle writes out the Gerber, it does what we were talking about earlier. It's like you have a region here that needs to be filled in. It says, okay, draw a line from here to here. Draw a line from here to here. Yeah. It, it fills it in with a bunch of, it of rasterizes, rasters, yeah. rasterized lines. And the default when you create that polygon is it does it at like 0.01 mil per line or yeah. something ridiculous that just generates these big, nasty monster Gerber files. And um, you actually have to know to go in and change it. Change it to like 10 mil. Right. Something and, reasonable. And you don't lose on those pores. You don't lose anything because it draws a 10 mil line around the whole thing and then just flood fills with 10 mil. Exactly. It And it's, you know, if 
if folks would just spend an extra minute and and make sure that those flood fills were were, were set up right, that would be great. Or if the the tool just generated the the polygons properly to begin with. But um, but yeah, that's those are a couple of the the things that drive me nuts. Pass. No. <laughs> um, no. I don't know. I think that uh, I think that I sort of commiserate with like the hardware electronics people. I feel like uh, they're compulsive tinkerers. I certainly have noticed that about two people sitting across from me. <laughs> um, and so I get that because I I feel like in my own way I I tend to be like obsessive about projects and stuff that I'm working on and. Like, if I have to make it work. I have to figure out a solution. I have to, like, you know, figure out a way to make an art project come to life or whatever it is. And then I think, like, what's exciting to me about what we're doing is that we're we're writing this software that's helping all these people ultimately make cool things and ultimately, like, bring the concept that's just in their brain to life. So mm-hmm. maybe that was more of, like, a, a love story, not a, yeah. a pet peeve, but... It's a, it's very exciting to be here at Macrofab doing that, you know, because, you know, I've seen it from the other end where it's like, okay, I've got this great idea. I just need this board made. And, you know, it's very difficult to, or until Macrofab, uh, uh, it was very difficult to get that, that done. So the idea that we're, we're helping people create things is very exciting. One more question. Sure. All right. Um, let's see. Then it would be, let's see. Who at Macrofab writes the worst Jira ticket? <laughs> <laughs> this was, I, I saw this pop up in our Slack. And I'm like, I have to ask this one. And, and Jira's our support ticket system. Yes. Yeah. Way, so. um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. His last name is Knight. Oh. And he was well, both, actually, both Yeah, of we got two of them. <laughs> both both yeah. of them. Um, they were on the podcast, they, too. They, they are, they're great guys, but they write terrible Jira tickets. Well, are they, are they, uh, are they tickets like, do this, do that? They're yeah, just, it's, they're it's, complaints. It's one line statement in the, in the subject of the Jira ticket, and then you open it up, and there's nothing. Nothing else. <laughs> in nothing fact, else. the example we were talking about is, uh, I think the most recent one that we had from, um, Brandon was, uh, and they've been on the podcast too before. Um, and the, the most recent one was just like, uploading sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Uh, what what know, about it sucks? You know, you know what's like, great what? about this? Both of you didn't realize, but actually one of the Knight brothers had walked in the room and he was he heard that. So, <laughs> so uh, well, I'm going to find my tires right Yeah, I was, yeah. I was about to say, better watch out. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Well, that's 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 fantastic. I'm I'm glad it wasn't me who writes bad jeers. Nah. <laughs> no, <laughs> you you understand. I yeah. I understand because I've been on the opposite side of tickets in in a previous life yeah. before. The, the 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 software equivalent of it's broke doesn't do us any good. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I mean like in 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 a previous life when I was doing hardware tickets, I'd get stuff like wire too long. And I did, and, and and this is at a company where we had over fifty products, mm-hmm. and each one of those products had you know multi-level assemblies and bombs, and that's all I'd get. Wire and it would be long. like, all right, sure, great. The wire's too long. I'll get right on that. You wire know, like, shortened. Which yeah. one of the yeah, yeah, exactly? Yeah, which, there we go. Which of the thousands of wires? Yeah, exactly. Was too long. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, I actually I became the bad guy at that company uh, for for some period of time because I I. 
I got with our developers there and I had them implement a system where uh, if a ticket is in your inbox, it would email you every morning with mm. uh, with a reminder that that ticket was in your inbox. Oh, oh I need to do that. Well, and it was horrible. Yeah. So <laughs> the entire company was like, oh my God, what did you do? Because <laughs> we had some people who were sitting on tickets that were over a year old, you know, and like there were me. still things that needed to be done. Mm. So yeah, I was the bad guy. Don't give Parker But those things ideas. got done. I like those, that Those things got done pretty quick. Quickly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Williams would be the big one on that. I know I'm terrible about. <laughs> he's got, he's got. I was, so I'm going through the old Jira stuff and like you know making it all nice and new and organizing it, and then I'm like I open it up and I look up Williams tickets assigned. He's got like tickets assigned to him when he started here that he'd never yeah. closed. It's all done. Everything's done. It's just not closed out <laughs> because as soon as you put that fire out, another one is. Popped exactly. up somewhere else, and you're busy putting that one out, and so you never have time to go back. I to fixed Jira. it. Is if you mark something as done, and it's seven days later, it automatically closes it. There you go. There we go. Nice. Yeah. So in other words, we don't have to do anything after we're done. We just well, mark it done, and that's it. Yeah. Well, it depends because if you mark something done, then it has to get released. Oh. Okay. And then after release, it has to be approved by the requestee. Right. And then it goes to archive. Right. But all those after steps after release are automated in some right. fashion. You have certain amount of speak now or forever hold your, your peace, peace type yes. of type of deal. If you yeah. if you wait because it goes from release to if it still sits in release after seven days, it gets put into um, acknowledged or or right. accepted. And then after that, seven more days to go into archive. And if you've waited fourteen days to actually do anything about it and you haven't you're fired <laughs> you're fired you're out. that was probably way too much information i was, just, I was about just about to say if you are still listening to our podcast yeah. now, you are hardcore yeah. knowing our internal ticketing wow, process your workflows we thank every single one of you guys yeah. you guys are troopers yeah. no but aren't you reading like an 800 page book about Agile development or something. Oh, boy. Something. Yeah, that one's fun. He's on page eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually in the fifth chapter now. Still page eight. Right. <laughs> it was written by... They're very this short thing, chapters. Though. This is the thing, though. It's written by Microsoft in 94. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. It's changed a little bit. A little bit. It's so, it's, it's, I'm really just reading it just to, like, no management skills and stuff because I don't really care about... Like, it's like... New technology, C++. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh. And they talk about like writing, like actually writing applications in assembly. And they're like, you can use new technology like C to, to speed up development. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Drop that, that that's, fork, that's like what we were talking about earlier where, you know, yeah, the technology is always going to change, but the skills that you build around all of that Correct. will take you through your career. Correct. So, do you all want to sign us out? And I think since Williams opened, Kaylin closes. I know, and Williams has the best uh, radio voice, we determined. Um, so, thank you. I, there's a note to say thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got that one. <laughs> so, anyways, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, number 91, right? Yep. Yep. Um, we were your guests, Kaylin Smith and Mike Williams. And we were your hosts, Parker Doman and Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, Yes You, our listener, for downloading our show. 
If you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you want Steve and I to discuss, tweet us at Macrofab or email us at podcast at macrofab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. It's below in the description. Um, if you are not subscribed to the podcast, click that subscribe button that's on the right side of the screen. That'd be awesome if you could do that. Also, give us a review on iTunes and Google.